Welcome to Pop On Leadership, a conversation between two friends who are obsessed with leadership development and helping people navigate their careers within organizations and also obsessed with pop culture. I'm Virginia Martinez. And my name's Kara Kirby. Together, we have over 20 years of working inside of organizations. And now we both work outside with companies all over the world, helping them drive their people first practices. This first season of Pop On Leadership is dedicated to a show called Ted Lasso. We're going to walk through the first 10 episodes, unpacking all the leadership lessons along the way. So let's get into it. Today, we're exploring episode six of season one of Ted Lasso. And I know you can't see us, you can only hear us, but if you could see us, we are just like (laughs) busting at the seams. So excited to talk about this episode because it is when we are introduced to Danny Rojas. Danny, Danny Rojas. (laughs) Um, Oh my gosh, my favorite description of Denny Rojas. Even if you haven't seen the show, hopefully you have. So this all makes sense. Hard to believe that you'd be listening to this if you haven't watched it. But when Ted describes Danny as this joyous, raven-haired golden retriever, and that sums him up perfectly. So what is happening here is that they've had a new player traded from Mexico that has joined uh, Richmond, and he arrives, and he's amazing. He's really talented and is given, like, immediately is going to give Jamie Tart a run for his money, right? The other big thing, so, like, while there's a direct comparison to Jamie in his soccer talent, there's also a stark contrast in how they show up at the field, their attitude toward the game and their teammates, Um, and it's just... Oh, yeah. yeah. Danny Rojas has no ego whatsoever. I mean, he's just, is he your favorite character? You know, I don't, gosh. You're a big Coach Beard fan. So am I. Yeah. But there's something really lovable. It's kind of funny because I think there, I've worked with Danny Rojas type folks and I can remember like they probably annoyed the shit out of me at the time. But now watching this, you know, but like, that's probably because I was more of a Jamie Tart, you know, but I've changed, I've changed. Um, But it's just so like, he's just so delightful because he finds joy where he has this saying like football is life. Now, whether like your whole life should be dedicated to one thing, you know, whatever, we can debate that. But there's something so joyous, like he he's in it for the love of the game. Mm hmm which comes across um, just very positive attitude, very optimistic. And and I don't know if he's my favorite character. I have to really think about that. I'm surprised. I've never actually thought about who's my favorite, but. Really? That's interesting. No, Do you have a favorite? I, I, well, I, I think that like the surface level, it would be Danny Rojas because I love him and he just like sets mm-hmm. my heart on fire. But then it's definitely Coach Beard because he's just got all these weird layers and he's so smart and he just, I just, I just love that. I may, I think I might love him in real life because I feel like that <laughs> character, <laughs> I feel like his character, uh, like in my mind, Jason Sudeikis and, and I can't remember the actor's name, but they're just like sitting around and just like having a great time together. Yeah. And, and like this show is just like a, an artwork of their love and friendship. And that's what I like to imagine in my mind. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I absolutely. I think like I'm always like I could be friends with Coach Beard in real life. Like, yeah, yeah. It would take a, he would hate me at first, but then he would like me. 
know, that's the thing. I don't think he would hate you. Like, I think he is just, I think he's very observant. I think he's very astute. I think he's very insightful. But he's like, um, he doesn't, he's not like a big reaction guy. So it'll be hard. Yeah, it's, he's true. hard to read. He's hard to read. So I, it, you can imagine that people might think he dislikes them, but actually like, of all the people, Coach Beard probably sees right into your soul first. That's true. He probably does. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Coach Beard wouldn't hate me. You heard it here, here, folks. No, no. I'm telling you right now, Coach Beard would not hate you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So Danny Rojas and um, there's there's some stuff brewing because Jamie is still benched, right? So there's a little tension there, and so with the arrival of Danny, Jamie is feeling threatened as much as he doesn't want to admit it, but it's very yep. visible. And it's important to note that Ted is in this scene really going through a transition. There's a big theme in this episode of transitions, and we'll talk more about this, but transitions are so hard on the soul and they bring out the worst in us. And if we're not really aware and go into them with intention it can it can break us down as human beings and we do see ted breaking down because of this divorce and this transition mm -hmm. that he's going on in his life and he has lost it with jamie tart like he is over it yeah and so in the beginning actually the, the show kicks off with ted taking off his ring feeling really oh. sad and then shows up to the office completely discombobulated has puts on his like sweater backwards like is talking a mile a minute Nate and Beard are like, what the heck is happening to him? Um, and he says, he says, like, it's okay. I'm just ready to like bury myself in work. And then he's like, because he can't even take a breath. He's like, Barry has such a negative connotation. Connotation, like, uh, everyone loves a bath. Maybe I'll just gonna bathe myself in work. <laughs> and you're like, Nate and <laughs> Nate and Beard are like, oh my gosh, okay. Which is fine. Like to your point, like he's in this moment of transition, he's kind of even articulated. That's fine. I'm just going to double down on work. And so he is even more sensitive and vigilant around the things that like he's not going to put up with anymore. Yeah, it's one of my favorite theories like on human beings. And I, I teach this a lot with leaders, some, some of my leadership theories, but you also see it a lot in the Enneagram. I don't know if anybody's mm -hmm. ever taken that before, but one of my favorite thought processes is that you're not just one thing inside of your mm -hmm. personality type, but depending on the health of where you are in that moment determines mm -hmm. what your behavior is. So for the, with the Enneagram, for example, there's a spectrum. So it's like, if you're really taking care of yourself, this, these are your behaviors that are going to come through. But if you stop taking care of yourself or you're, you're having like a lot of anxiety or depression, this is how that personality type looks whenever it's under stress, whenever it's under um, pressure or it's under sadness, right? And I think it's such a humanistic way of looking at people is that like if they might have actually the same personality type as you, but if like their shadows, and their negative mm -hmm. parts of themselves are coming through, it's because they're just not in a good mental place. And if they took care of themselves, they could get out of that and be that glowing person. And, and Ted Lasso is a good example of that because when he's at his best, there's nothing that he can't accomplish. But when he's, when he's not taking care of himself, you know, his shadows start to come through. 
So what Enneagram type do you think Ted Lasso is and why is it a seven? (laughs) 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 And for folks that are like, what is Enneagram? I think we'll we'll provide some links to that. And it's really interesting. And um, and you have to go off. You have to go off and take that. That's such a good self-awareness tool. And then there's this band called Sleeping at Last, and they make songs for each Enneagram type, and it's such a magical experience. So we'll provide a link, but go off, learn about yourself, and then go listen to the song about it. And one thing that like you'll hear Kara and I often say is that these things like Myers-Briggs or Enneagram, are, they're, they're good ways for like self-awareness, but they're not ever meant to lock people into one type or ever meant to judge others or hold them to like a type as well. But I think there, it it is very helpful when you're like, oh, I didn't have the words to describe myself in that way. This helped me articulate a little bit of like these things about me that I could never really put to words. So they should never be used for promotions and they should never be used for hiring. And if you want to debate me on that, come at it. Like, let's go. (laughs) 100%. Like, no, it's it's terrible. I hate when companies do that. Yeah. So the takeaways, we love them when used properly. (laughs) Yeah. Don't weaponize them, please. Exactly. Um, Okay. So we loved any Speaking of shadow side and strength side, there's something, you know, we've talked about scarcity and abundance mindset before on the show. We probably will again, as well as sort of the drama triangle. But this concept without going too deep or repeating things we've already said, there's a concept of there are things that you do really well, but when you feel threatened, you you go to this shadow side with them, mm-hmm. right? And so often it could is it is either driven by um, fear or empowerment. Those are two different things. The other one again, scarcity mindset versus abundance. Like there's not enough pie to go around, so I've got to compete. Versus there's plenty to go around, and we're if if we collaborate, we're better together. So I was kind of curious th- watching this show. Has there ever been a time where you felt threatened by a fellow colleague? Oh, yeah. I've, I think early on in my career, I, I talk about this a lot because I was always in sports. And I think that, I think that athletes and if you're in a competitive academic environment, we train people to be individualistic competitors, mm-hmm. right? And that and that you have to be the winner. But in the real world, there is no winner. You, it's yeah. all about collaboration. Yeah. And if you don't collaborate, then you're not going to be, I mean, first of all, it's not fulfilling for your life, but also your team's not going to succeed. So that's a big thing that I had to rid myself of is like always being like the top employee, always being like the winner in all these different situations and competing with the people that were around me and not realizing that that was just a facade that I don't know whether I created in my own mind or if it's just a, it's just a, you know, something that society put in there for me. But yeah, no, that was a, that's a big thing that I always had to overcome. Yeah. What about you? What's your experience with it? Oh, oh, for sure. I mean, and again, it's always sort of rooted in your own insecurities. Like, well, like I, I, the one thing that I always have to watch out for myself is feeling like I need credit for my ideas. And it's been one, like a journey of letting go of that, of like, really redefining what is success like Mm -hmm. and getting to the point like 
if no one ever even knows that I'm the one that thought up this idea and it's still a success, is that okay for me? Right. Yeah. And that's been, that's been one, I mean, I'm better at it, but that's been one that I, so those are times definitely where I have felt a bit threatened um, and really needed to, to think about that. And the other way to le- that I learned it was like, God, being on the receiving end of it where I like was not looking to compete with someone. Oh, yeah, definitely. Desperately looking to collaborate because I truly felt that if we put our minds and perspectives together, we would do great things and could never get past that other person seeing me as a threat and competitor and just like how it hurt the work, how it hurt morale on the broader team. And just, gosh, being on the receiving end of that really kind of made me think about like, God, okay, how do I make sure that, because that person's human, right? But like, it was frustrating. And I'm like, I just didn't want to be like that, <laughs> you know? So And it, it it's totally, it's a human thing, right? Like, so our brains get flooded with dopamine when we feel like we are better than somebody else. So like, not only is society telling us to do it, but like the chemicals in our brain are like, if you're better than that person, I'm going to give you a bunch of serotonin and dopamine, and then you're going to be very assured that that's the right thing to do. So it just goes back to that thing of like, I'm not your mind. And I think to what you're saying too, about like, if we can, if like being on the receiving end of it, if you even take that and scope it out a little bit further, if you've ever been through a merger before, that is the weird, by the way, (laughs) I mean, we can probably have a whole episode on mergers and we'll talk about this more here in a second with rituals. But one of the reasons why mergers get so nasty is because you have two groups of people and they do not know how to stop competing with each Mm, other. They think that they are going to win. They are going to be the company that is going to win this merger competition. And then it's like, they're in like a, Braveheart battle, they end up just like killing each other on the field and then and then nobody wins, right? Like yeah. I I mean, mergers have such a low success rate when it comes to people being able to come together and and collaborate. And I think it has to do with a lot of those things that we just discussed. Yeah. I mean, the the, the, the like I'm oversimplifying this, but often what people feel is like, so you're telling me the way I've done it before is not good enough or not the right way but it was good yeah. enough at that company or good enough at that office or good enough or what have you. And um, well, one change is hard and mergers are all about change, all about coming together, all about shifting and compromising. And in theory, you have two people that have been doing work and like creating good ideas and, and really doing a lot of great things. Like if they were in theory, if they put their guards down and stopped looking at it as a competition and shared ideas, then it, like it would be a really cool thing. You would have a stronger company in the end, but it just never happens that way. Yeah. I often see this too, like that works really well if you have been trained to surround yourself with people that think differently than you intentionally. Mm, Like I want to seek out different perspectives and I want to be surrounded by people who have completely different talents than me, who actually do things better than me so that we are collectively better. Where are those people? Have you met them? (laughs) (laughs) But that's often like, um, you know, if you talk to my like former team, like I would be so excited for them. Like, listen, I hired you because I saw this, your ability to do this. And like, I just don't possess. And like, we need that perspective. Or you have this background and lived experience that I do not. And so, I mean, it doesn't, again, like I think I had to sort of grow into that and not feel threatened to pull in someone who has a different experience, but like, 
it makes the work it makes the work so much in- more interesting. Yeah, definitely. But it all it all starts with mindset. It, it's shifting it of out of out of it, it's shifting. How do you shift from a Jamie Tart to a Danny Rojas? Where it's not about you, it's not about your ego. It's about the love of what you're doing. Right. Well, we see some of that. So in this Danny Rojas episode, there's, um, first of all, I just love any storyline that deals with superstition. And it's just. <laughs> I love language. I know, I know, I know. But they believe that the, what is it like the, the training room or something? One of the rooms is cursed, right? And then, so they want to do this like ritual to come together to burn things like make a sacrifice, a material sacrifice to rid themselves of this curse. And it reminded both of us of just general team rituals that bring the team together because at the end of this, right, and we'll talk about team rituals in a second, but the end of this, no one expected Jamie to show up and participate in this like sort of rah, 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 very vulnerable moment. But it is that moment finally where like Jamie does make that switch at the end and he talk he opens up and he talks about why he's been an asshole. Like that he lost so the 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 gift and sacrifice he gives to this fire is his first pair of soccer cleats, which are called boots in the UK, we learn, that his mother gave him because like she's been his biggest fan. And not because she needed him to be the best, but because she just loved watching him play and wanted him to be happy. And then as he got good, his dad, who kind of ignored him most of his life, started paying attention and was really rough on him. Like, why would you pass? Why wouldn't you take the goal? And like, there was never enough to make his dad happy. And he shares this moment. He says, I think I forget why I started playing. I think I often forget. I got so wrapped up in trying to make my dad proud that I forgot to make my mom proud, who just loves me for me. And you're like, and you can see like Ted's had that breakthrough. We're there. He's like remembering <laughs> why he loves the team, right? Um, oh God. And I know I don't I don't want to go in too much into the next episode, but then like we find out that Rebecca's still sort of in this place of trying to manipulate this whole situation and then set them up for failure then eventually trades Jamie and you can see just how hurt how how hurt the team and Ted are because they finally had that moment where he could shift that mindset right yeah anyway anyway but but the process like that whole (laughs) fire pit and the and the making and sharing was a team ritual and so you and I definitely wanted to share some some thoughts around that I know that whole scene was just so powerful of finally Jamie Tart like opening up. But I I really love rituals inside of organizations and I don't think that teams do them enough. And so I there's there's a lot of books that are out there on like the science and the psychology behind rituals, but basically what happens is that our mind doesn't doesn't have starts and stops of time unless there is a ritual. So if, if you don't have rituals, then people don't have any closure. So mm-hmm. like, I'm going to go back to the merger example. So uh, there's a lot of examples of how mergers actually conduct weddings. So it's, so it's a ritual mm-hmm. where people get together and they say their vows and they say like, we are now coming together as one. Mm-hmm. And it sounds cheesy, but I think that if when two companies are coming together, 
together, if there were weddings or there was some kind of ritual like that, it could really help for a lot of the dysfunction that might happen down the road. And the other thing is with funerals, right? Like my company got, well, they said it was a merger, but it was really an acquisition. But and 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 it was it was painful. We loved our company. Everyone loved our company. And 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 really, what we needed to do was have a funeral and say, like, this company has died, and and now we're going to go join a new company. And I think that if if everyone was able to make that mental shift, then then it would have been a lot better for a lot of people. And I would tell people that I'd be like, you need to go. Th- you need to go throw away your gear. You need to have a ritual. You need to, you need to have a, your mind is not going to move on unless you have a timestamp that says this is over and now I'm starting new. Wow. I mean, so much, I, I, this resonates so much, you know, um, I worked for an organization where it wasn't, it didn't merge within, within another organization, but two offices came together and these offices were obviously part of the same company, but had developed different personalities, right? And sort of little subcultures and traditions and things like that. And I remember when we all sort of got under one roof, it was a very like us versus them. And Mm -hmm. it was really painful, right? Because like, it's very easy to be the one that absorbs them. But the one, like to your point, it wasn't really a merger. It was kind of an acquisition and no one really wanted to talk about it that way. But I remember something you said, because I kept talking to the partners at our organization. I'm like, if you ask me what's happening is that we have not given people time to properly grieve or even acknowledge that they're grieving. Like they've experienced a loss and we're talking about it as a celebration. Like they were going through a funeral and we were pretending it was a wedding. And how often does that happen? Quite literally, we had a wedding themed party. But what, what they were going through. They were like, I don't want to marry this person. They're like, uh-uh. <laughs> uh, I didn't order that. This is the totally. wrong drinks and orchards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is not the crudite I wanted. That actually um, would be a good idea. Like let they like let people come to, together and design their own wedding. <laughs> yeah. Like don't don't have oh my God, that's such a symbol of corporate America. It's like we're gonna do a ritual, we're gonna make a wedding, and then we're gonna make all the decisions and we're gonna invite people to that wedding and they have to have the emotional reaction that we're telling them to have. It's like, no, no, no. Let's back up for a second because that's not how humans work. You let them decide what their wedding's going to be and then let them attend their own damn wedding. Yeah. For sure, for sure. It, I also think about like sort of the smaller little rituals that you can do on a team as well. So like when I when I led a recruiting team, we got this, we were so annoyed. We, it was an open floor layout. So people found this ritual very annoying, but but eventually grew to love us. Is every time a candidate accepted, we'd ring a bell. Oh, cute. Like, it was not like the TGI Friday's tip bell, but kind of not too far <laughs> off from that concept. And people eventually realized because we were working really hard, right? And so like that bell would be ringing sometimes multiple times a day or multiple times a week. And people would come over and like they'd celebrate with us, right? And they're like, or if the hiring manager who's been waiting for a while to hear back if a candidate's accepted or not heard that bell, they'd run over. And it's just like little things that you can do to your point, like 
signal that closure, but also celebration, you know, just get yourself a bell. <laughs> yeah. Think about the things that you can do to like create those moments to bond teams together. And honestly, if you want to take it from Ted Lasso, I love the idea of getting a fire pit or getting something and say, Hey, everybody come over here and bring something that's meaningful to you. Like you're going to get people congealed in 4.8 seconds if you do that. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good place for us to wrap up today. You know, we've talked about um, the introduction of beautiful Danny Rojas, joyous, raven-haired, golden retriever. Football, <laughs> football is life. Uh, we decided that I can do that because I'm Latina and I can I can do the accent. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you can. Um, and just talking about sort of how mindsets impact a team and team rituals. So thank you for joining us today. Uh, to go over episode six and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we want to keep the conversation going. Share your leadership stories with us, whether they're dreams come true or some nightmares you want to talk through. You can visit us at poponleadership.com or over at Instagram at poponleadership. And a very special thanks to our friends and family who have supported us from the beginning and to Pam Rodriguez who helped make this crazy dream a reality. Thank you. See you next time.